0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Grace This Weekend. It's good to have you guys here. Um, Hey, before I uh, jump into our conversation, I wanted to give you an update on the HOPE Project. So the HOPE Project is uh, Grace's efforts to organize generosity uh, throughout the the holiday season. And uh, most of the HOPE Project recipients are our city partners that we work with all year long uh, in Akron and Cleveland And then we also try to focus on a few families, specifically uh, widows within uh, the Grace Church family and bless them and serve them in some special ways. So uh, the tags off the Trees of Hope and all that kind of stuff, you guys were amazing with it. Uh, You've given um, a little over $27,000 worth of gifts. So that's going to bless about 500 families uh, throughout the greater Akron area. You also have given... Uh, countless uh, man hours, of volunteering. And so uh, the, the, the couple families here at Grace, lots of yard work, fixing the roof, uh, the kitchen, the, the floor, all that kind of stuff that we were able to bless those families, kind of take care of them uh, throughout the, ho- <clears throat> the holiday season. And then you also uh, donated uh, two cars. So thank you. I've been wanting a new car. I appreciate it. Joking about that uh, those cars will go to um, single moms, single working moms in the church and uh, make sure that they have reliable transportation to get back and forth to work and run their kids around. so just thank you for that. so I love that about you i 'm proud of you for it, and I, I love that uh, when there 's a need, we can with great confidence stand up and say here 's a need, and you guys handle that immediately. So thank you. Uh, you have blessed a ton of people and they 're going to have uh, a wonderful Christmas our, our uh, widows and their children especially feel loved and protected by their church family. So thank you for doing that. And um, good job. Appreciate it. We're in a series right now called Joy of the World. And we've been in this series the last few weeks. And uh, we're going to talk about it this weekend. And then next weekend, Donnie uh, mentioned, is our Christmas services. So keep your eye on that. Those, uh, those Christmas programs are going to be a blast. I always look forward to that. And they'll be Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. And then I usually go to the emergency room for Christmas morning. So we're excited about that. But uh, it's a lot, a lot of fun. And we want you to take advantage of those. Uh, The creative team and volunteers put an enormous amount of work. So you come and then bring your family, your friends, and people that you love And at a minimum, they'll enjoy the Christmas season. At a maximum, they'll uh, know about the hope of Christ. And so uh, we'll look forward to doing that starting next weekend. This weekend, though, we want to keep talking about this idea of joy to the world. And so we've been using the song, right, as kind of a a guide to sear our thoughts from Scripture a little bit. And uh, the first weekend, we talked about the idea that joy to the world, the Lord has come to earth, receive her King, let every heart prepare Him room. And we said, how do we help people prepare room? How do we do that? And how can we help other folks do that? And then the next weekend, last weekend, we talked about joy of the world, the Savior reigns. And we need to repeat the sounding joy and uh, get, had that conversation. So if you've missed those, go out online, gracemaha.org. You can watch them or listen to them. Uh, you can get a podcast for free through iTunes. It comes out usually Sunday evening if you want to grab those or use the app. Everything's through the app. Uh, this weekend, I want to look at, at another one of the verses here and, uh, <clears throat> and talk about this one. So, same song, right? Joy to the world, but here's the verse. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow as far as the curse is found. And so, Isaac Watts, who wrote this song about 300 years ago, when he wrote that verse, he really encapsulated a bunch of what we call theology and I want to walk you through this theology this weekend, give you a theological construct and then talk about how that shows up in your life. So theology, all theology means is a, an understanding of God. So when you read the Bible, the Bible starts with Genesis it ends with Revelation, you read everything in between. What you'll have is different accounts of God, different truths of God that He reveals to us about Himself. And when you take those and weave it together, you create a theology, you create a broad understanding of God. And I want to show you that, and that's what he locked into. So uh, this weekend, if if you are uh, newer to grace, or you're not yet a follower of Jesus, or you're just getting into the Bible thing a little bit, I'm going to paint that broad picture for you. I think it'll make sense and be exciting for you. What you'll walk away from is a, a, a clear understanding of why we find Christmas to be sacred, why it's an important uh, uh, time for us, and how that Christmas is so essential to what we believe about our interacting with our, our relationship with God and, and even our, our salvation. Uh, if you grew up in the church and you're used to the Christmas conversation, what you're going to walk away with is a lot of mental homework. We're going to move through the Bible, so don't be a wimp about it, right? I'm just saying suck it up, buttercup, because we we're going to do a lot of work through the Bible, and I'm going to show you this stuff and put some stuff together, and it's, uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of that, okay? So let me show it to you. Grab your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to start. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs. It's page 785 in those Bibles. And um, if you don't own a Bible or a newer copy of one, we would love it if you just took that one with you. Keep it and use it. If you want to use the app, yeah, you either to go to the to the app store and grab the app or just open yours up and all the notes is right there. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. This is where we'll start this. Verse 12, chapter 5, Romans, the apostle Paul is writing on God's behalf. He says this: He says, Therefore, just as sin sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin. So when Isaac Watts wrote this song and he said, no more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground, he came to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. What's The curse, well, Paul is talking, Isaac Watts pulled this out of Romans. He's he's talking about how the curse or sin entered creation. So if you go all the way back to the beginning of your Bible, to uh, to Genesis chapter two and three, Genesis chapter two and three, what you find there is that the curse comes to the reality of humanity. Sin enters the world through the curse, okay? So before uh, Genesis chapter two and three, humanity lived in a perfect relationship with God and in a perfect relationship with each other and in a perfect relationship with creation itself, okay? So we were created to interact freely with God, freely with each other, and even freely with creation. So pre the fall, pre-sin entering the world, that's how humanity interacted. So Adam and Eve, when they interacted with God, they did so freely. They walked with God, they talked with God, they hung out with God. God would come down in the morning, they would chill, they'd have coffee together. That's the way that they, they interacted with God. And they also interacted with, with each other that way. So Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve have the first marriage in history, right? So the first human relationship was a marriage, and they had the perfect marriage. They never fought. They were never upset about leaving their clothes out, like, because they were naked all the time, right? So they, they just, that's, that's the way that, they, that it worked, right? And they interacted perfectly with each other, and they inter, even interacted perfectly with creation itself, with nature so in the garden, animals and humans were not a threat to each other, right? Uh, the environment was perfect. So Adam and Eve were naked, or if you're from the South, they were naked. That's what naked means, naked. And so they, they were that way. They didn't, because the, the environment itself was perfect. They slept in comfort. Nature protected them. It was never aggressive toward them. Animals, the, the whole nine yards. And that is the environment that humanity was created to exist within, okay? Then Genesis chapter two and three happen. Sin enters the world, Eve is tempted, Adam sins, and this is what Paul's picking up on. He says, he says sin comes through one man, it came through Adam. Adam brought sin into the human experience, and death comes from sin. And so when sin entered, the Bible says that the curse of sin affected every environment and every relationship that humanity exists within and sin frustrates all of those environments so when the curse enters into the world right all of a sudden the relationship between humanity and God is broken down humanity cannot easily or perfectly interact with God anymore because God is perfect and now we are not because of sin and perfection and imperfection cannot coexist with each other Sin enters the human experience. So Adam and Eve had the first marriage and Adam and Eve had to do the first marriage counseling, right? So that now all of a sudden humanity is not loving each other selflessly. They're not reflecting Christ to each other the way that they were created to do that. Sin enters the human experience as, as well. Even creation falls, the Bible says, right? So creation falls, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, that creation was subject to frustration because of sin. It got out of its natural sinking that God had put it into. Uh, In fact, the Bible says that one day after Christ returns, there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth and that the bondage, creation's bondage to decay is finally gonna be destroyed, So, creation falls. So, for the first time in the human experience, in the natural experience, things like sickness start to happen. Disease is introduced. Age is introduced. All the things that frustrate us about our natural state, decay is introduced. Things don't evolve, they devolve. That's the the law of nature. You put something outside, it's going to break down. It's not going to build up all of that is a result of the curse. The curse is found. It's found in our relationship with God. It's found in our relationship with each other. And it and it's found even with nature's interaction with us and our interaction with nature. Now we have to shield ourselves from nature, right? Because it's freezing, right? Or it's cloudy or it's wet. And that was that was not the way that humanity was first created or the environment that it was created to be within. So Sin affects every aspect of our lives. Uh, The curse is found all over our lives. It it wiggles and it gets in all the nooks and the crannies of our lives. And we live then under the frustration of the curse. We we will look out and we'll say, things could be a certain way, but they're not, right? Because we're frustrated by the curse. Now, Here's here's what happens. That frustration is reflected in our idealism and in our tendency to romanticize things, okay? Because God created us to long for our natural state. He created us to long to be in healthy relationship with Him. He created us to long to be in healthy relationship with each other. He even created us to long to be in healthy relationship with nature itself, that, that is not us being foolish or simpleton. That is the image of God longing to be free from the bondage of the curse or free from the frustrations of the curse. And that's why we romanticize things, right? So we, we do that in our relationships. We'll romanticize like a family vacation, in, in a family vacations, let's just be honest, they're more fun to think about and remember than to participate in, right? That's just the way that it is. So we're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get a van and a trailer and we're going to pile everybody in and we're going to drive across the country and live in a trailer for a month. That's going to be incredible, right? And it's, infa- it, let me tell you something, it doesn't work that way. So we, we romanticize it. The reality is we're all going to be trapped in a steel box and fight for a month. That's what's going to happen. And the Trailer is going to be stank a by the time you're done with it, right? But then it's fun to remember because we forget that part. But it's more fun to remember or to think about than to participate in. We we do that all the time, right? Uh, we do that with our relationship with animals. Uh, we want our relationship with animals to be a certain way, so we'll we'll think things like this. We'll think, my cat loves me. He talks to me. He cares about me. He loves me. It's not true. Your cat is thinking of ways to murder you. That's what your cat is doing, right? It even warns you. It rubs against your neck and it goes, murder, right? That's what, that's what your cat is doing. Your cat does not love you. Your cat hates you, right? And your children. And so that. So, but we romanticize that because we, we're actually created to be in this perfect unity with, uh, we do this in marriage, right? Marriage is a wonderful romantic idea, and then the realities of marriage hit. Everybody who's ever been married has been disillusioned by their marriage, right? Some more than others. Pray for Heidi. It's hard on her, right? And so, it, it, she got stuck with me. But it, it's a, all of that, what is, what is that? That is God creating us in His image and us longing to be in the right relationship that God created us to be in, but being frustrated by the curse. Our desire to, to live in peace, our desire to interact with God, our desire for security, our desire to be healthy, our desire to, 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 to uh, escape the ravages of age, all of that is humanity wanting to be back in the garden and being frustrated by the fall. The curse is found all throughout our lives and we want God to recreate the garden, to take us back to the place that we should be to be in the relationship that he created us to be in. Now, it's fascinating that people pray for that. And there's actually a guy attached to the Christmas story who prayed in that very way. Flip your Bibles back, um, oh, I don't know, 100 pages or so to Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two, it's page 716 there in the Bibles and the chairs. So Luke chapter two, there's a guy near the Christmas story and his name's Simeon, and he is living under this same frustration, Okay. So this is a few days after the manger that the shepherds get freaked out in the field at night. They go and they find Jesus. They hang out with him. Like the the silent night, holy night thing happens. About seven or eight days later, Mary and uh, and, uh, Joseph are still in Jerusalem and they take Jesus to the temple to uh, dedicate him is the way that we would think about it, right? And they walk into the temple and they run into this guy named Simeon. And the Bible says this in verse 25 of chapter 2 of Luke. The Bible says there was a man of Jerusalem called Simeon. He was a righteous and devout man. So this was a guy that truly loved God and truly wanted to follow and know God and cared for God and cared for people. And this is what he did. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. That word consolation is a very fascinating word in the original language. It's, um, we can't define it in English, we have to describe it. So the word consolation means this, he was waiting for the comfort of, or peace of, or reconciliation of, or healing of Israel, the people of God. In other words, Simeon was looking around and he was saying, I see the people of God frustrated by the curse, they're not, in, they're not in the relationship with God they were created to be within. They're not in the relationship with each other that they, they're supposed to be in. That nature, it's at work. they're frustrated by the curse. They're under occupation by the Romans. They, they, people have tainted the truth of God. And so now it's hard to get this frustration. The, the curse is found through all these aspects of their life. And Simeon was waiting for The comfort of the healing, of the reconciliation, of the correction of the curse. He wanted God to intervene and put things back the way that they were supposed to be. The Bible says then that he connected with Mary and Joseph and he discovered the consolation of Israel in the person of Jesus Christ, verse 28, Simeon took him, Jesus, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. When Simeon interacted with Christ, he prayed and he said, You've done it. God, you have done it. You have sent... The Messiah, you have sent the consolation, you you have sent the one who will bring peace, will bring healing, will bring comfort between humanity and God. You have have sent the one who will will bring peace, who will bring power, who will bring a way for humanity to reconcile with humanity. In Christ, you have defeated, you've brought the answer to all these things that drive us crazy that frustrate us about the curse. In Christ, you, you have brought the one who's, who will overcome death and bring victory to it. In Christ, you've, you've brought the one who will overcome the separation between man and, and, and God, and now we can have the certainty of heaven. In, in Christ, you've brought the ultimate healer. In Christ, you've brought the reconciler. In Christ, you've brought the hope. In Christ, you've brought the joy. Here is the consolation for your people. Here is the one who's going to bring this all together and allow us to live in the relationships and under the circumstances that we're created to live in. And Simeon, like us, the curse drove him crazy, right? The curse drives me crazy. I have buried two friends in seven days that have lost the cancer, both in their 50s. It drives me crazy, right? That sickness and disease and death and separation and pain drives me nuts. Both of them know and love Christ. So I have hope in Christ there's something more. He defeated the curse. And that's what Simeon saw and that's what he had prayed for. And and when he met Jesus and held Jesus, that was the, the prayer of praise that he gave. Lord, you have sent the Messiah. He is greater than. He's going to reverse the effects of the curse. He provides the way of escape. He provides the hope that you and I need. And Paul grabs this idea again back in Romans. So go back to Romans chapter 5. Right Verse twelve he he diagnoses the curse, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and, and this death came to all people because of sin. Adam sinned sends it, humanity, humanity fell. now we're under the curse, right? So he diagnoses that. So this is the problem. Well, then he goes on, same chapter, verse fifteen, and he says, "But Christmas happened, Jesus came, the consolation of Israel, the comfort, the reconciliation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Paul comes and he says, listen, sin introduced the curse, creation fell, and we're all stuck with it. We're all condemned. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the frustrated state that we live in. But the gift isn't like the trespass. Christ is born. The baby is the man on the cross. Same guy. Christ comes to reverse the curse. He he comes to set us free from it. And in the gift... We have justification, we are made le- our, our sins are legally satisfied before God, we are made right with God. Through the gift, we're made righteous. When, when God looks at us through Christ, he sees the perfection of Christ, not my human frailty. Then the gift, there's, there's an abundance provision of grace. God is loving us because he decided he was gonna love us. He can never love us less, he can never love us more, he loves us perfectly. The gift reverses all the effects of the curse. See? And it changes absolutely everything. The consolation brings peace, it brings comfort, it brings reconciliation, it brings hope. And as far as the curse is found, the blessings of God can go into those same nuances of life and reverse it. It can overpower it, it can defeat it because of who Christ is and because he came to be with us and because of his death, his burial, his resurrection, the demonstration of who he is, right? Huge. We are are sinful people, that's a big piece of theology, and there is a great, loving, gracious God that can defeat it. That's a big piece of theology, right? And we live under the curse, and Christ defeats it. He has defeated it, he is defeating it, and he will defeat it, right? And one day it will, even creation, Second Peter says, even creation is going to be made new, right? It's all going to be changed. And we're, a new heaven, new earth is going to be created after Christ returns, and we're going to dwell in a kingdom of righteousness. All the frustrations of unfairness and hypocrisy and all the stuff we hate is going to go away because of who Christ is and what he's done, right? It's huge. It's huge, right? And that's, that's the Bible. Congratulations. You just learned the whole Bible beginning to end in last 22 minutes, okay? Now, you take that kind of teaching, that teaching is core. That, that is like Bible 101, okay? What do you do with it? Well, whenever you ask, whenever you learn a biblical truth, never take a biblical truth and put it in your brain. It's worthless. You have to take a biblical truth and put it in your heart. And so you have to start saying, what, what, what would I do with this? And this is what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to, to ask this question. Where is the curse found in my life. If if the curse is the problem and Jesus reverses the curse and, and I want his blessings to flow, Isaac Watts' words, right, as far as the curse is found, where is the curse found in my life and how do I invite the blessings of God into my life as an antidote to that curse? So the Bible would say a bunch of stuff about that. One of the clearest things the Bible would say is that the curse is found in our relationship with God or lack thereof. That I cannot interact with God without the blessings of Jesus, the salvation, the forgiveness, the cleansing, the blessings of God in, intervening in my life. Because left to myself, the Bible says, I'm an enemy of God. I am dead in my trespasses in sin. I am I'm lost to darkness. I'm enslaved to sin is the way the Apostle Paul says it. And that is a natural state of humanity. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all a sinner. The one thing that every human being has in common with every other human being on the planet for all of time past and all of time future is we are sinners. It's the thing that we most quickly relate to each other about. It's what we have in common, right? And it's why we hurt each other. And you're not a good person. You're not. You're an evil person. You're a sinner. You ever lie? You ever steal? You ever have a lustful thought? Right? Right? You just broke three of the Ten Commandments. You're a sinner, right? And that sin separates you from God, and that's a frustrating place to live. And you don't have to because of Christmas. The the curse can be reversed, in your interaction with God. And the Bible says to have the curse reversed, to, to invite the blessings of God, all I have to do is agree with God. I agree with what God with what he says about me, that I'm a sinner, that I'm dead, in my trespasses is I agree with God with what he says about himself, that Jesus is the sole source of salvation, his words, not mine, I'm the way, the truth, life. That when I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in my heart that God raised me from the dead, I will be saved. I can receive the forgiveness of my sin. I can invite the blessings of God's salvation into my life, and it will reverse the effects of the curse when it comes to my relationship with God. It's this incredible thing. The curse is found there, and the curse can be reversed there because of who Christ is. The second Adam, he brought life. When I ask for the forgiveness of my sin, God is faithful. He is just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. The curse is reversed. Now, the Bible says the curse shows up in all kinds of places in our lives, right? The the curse shows up in the lies that we're told about life. The Bible calls these the schemes of the devil. And I can reverse the lies of life with the truth of Christ, the blessings of the truth of Christ. So, so one of the biggest lies in our lives is that we're taught in our culture to, I call it, chase the wind. We're taught to chase things that you can never get a hold of. It's like trying to hug a cloud, right? The minute you grab it, your arms are going to go through it. And we're taught to live that way. I was talking to a friend the other day about him chasing the wind and how he was frustrated by it. And, we weren't using those words, we were having a normal conversation, but he, that's what he was saying to me. He was saying, man, I got these degrees, and I got a, then my undergrad, I got a graduate degree, and I got this job, and girls like me, and this guy's in really good shape. He's like chiseled, well, just look, like chiseled marble kind of a thing, and, and it looks like this, and, and so he had like health and wealth and education and charisma, and he was saying, and I'm lonely, and I'm frustrated, and I'm, and so we're talking about that. And I, and I, said, I said, you're chasing the wind. You be, you've locked into a lie. Again, I'm, I'm using different words than this, but this was the idea, different. you locked into a lie. And he asked me, in essence, what's the lie? And I said, well, you believe that all these gifts and abilities and opportunities you have were given to you by God for you. That's the lie. These things are given to you by God for you. So, you actually believe you're a self-made man, and you're not. You're a God-made man. And that little lie has led you to a life of success and emptiness. You're chasing the wind. I said, now, if we, in, if we invited the blessings of God, the truth of God, where the curse is found, it would reverse that curse. And we talked about how you would do that. That if I accepted the truth that I'm not a self-made man, I'm a God-made man, and the things God gave me aren't for me, they're for him. And I take advantage of those things, but I use the ramifications or the benefit of those things for him instead of for me, it brings me joy and happiness. I said, what if you took your brain and your degrees and your job and your money, and instead of building yourself, what if you built up other people? What if you took your health and your energy and instead of, instead of using that to make yourself attractive, what if you use that to make yourself energetic to serve and love Christ and other? What if you took your charisma and instead of attracting other people to you, you used it to attract other people to Christ and you were loving Christ, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, and you were doing a lot of the same activities but with a different motivation, and you were serving people and loving people and investing in people and building people and changing people's lives. Would that make you feel good at the end of the day? Because when you volunteer to do that on the weekend, that's the best weekend you had that month. It's reversing the curse. There's a lie. There's all this stuff, but it's a lie. It's the scheme of the devil. It's never going to make it. It's hugging a cloud. You're never going to get your hands around it. But you invite the truth of Christ into those same circumstances. You let the blessings flow that are available because God put skin on, showed up in a manger, and eventually went to the cross. And you have a completely different outcome and outlook on life, right? The curse shows up in our relationships, doesn't it? Shows up in our relationships. It shows up in, in our in, in our friendships. I thought you were my best friend. You're really a moron, right? They, we're, we get frustrated with each other. I, I my parents are supposed to do this, but they don't. They do that instead. Our, our marriage is supposed to fulfill each other, and, and and we would look and say, I don't know what to do because. Under the fall and under the curse, we're left to our own wisdom, and that never works. But if I invited the blessings of God, how God actually defines relationships, and and he tells me to do things that are counterintuitive, but they lead me to happiness, it reverses the curse. If I went into a marriage and, and I said, Instead of competing with my spouse for who gets what, if we had a contest of who could submit to each other the most, it would change that relationship. It would stand it on its ear. As a child, instead of demanding freedom from my parents, because you know, you know, you know what's right, you know what's wrong. If I obeyed my parents as if I was obeying God, they would actually give me freedom. And friendships, instead of of looking for friends to meet your needs, what if the best way to have a best friend is to be the best friend that they have? What if you went and poured yourself into somebody instead of demanding that they meet needs that they can't meet anyways? Would that create a real, see how that works? And you do something counterintuitive because God showed us that demonstrated that, then wrote it down for us, and that's a blessing from God. And if I invited those blessings, it would reverse the curse far as it is found in every aspect of my life, see. And guys, this is, this is what Isaac Watts was getting hold of. He, he was getting a hold of the, the, the enormity of what it meant that God came to be with us that Emmanuel showed up. And so when he wrote the song, he's like, joy of the world. Why? The Lord has come. What <laughs> you crazy? The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. It make room in your heart for this. Joy of the world. How come? The Savior reigns. This is crazy. That like God rules and reigns. And then it, it's, almost like it, it's almost like he's an old fiery preacher, this verse. He's like, no more right? No more let sin and sorrows, right? No more let, let thorns infest the ground because he came to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. And in that little verse of a hymn, he grabbed the Bible <laughs> and packed it in there and diagnosed the human condition and identified the solution to it it's Christ right and who he is and what he can do and the power of knowing him the curse is evident it's it's easy peasy to see the curse the blessing comes from invitation the blessing comes from invitation And looking at God and doing exactly that. My Savior, my King, I invite you. I invite you into these aspects of my life. I invite you to reverse these things in me. And I invite you to rule and to reign. And that's where joy is found. It's where hope is found. It's that deeper, meaningful, more powerful stuff. Because the curse winds up being reversed all right all right i invite you to spend a few minutes in prayer with with me i'll pray for us out loud here in a minute but i think it's so good to like stop and be still for a little bit and all the noise and and to to think about just who christ is and what he came to do and why and this is this is why, if you're if you're newer to the the church saying or the Christian thing, this is why Christians find Christmas to be sacred. Because we would look and say that Christ's arrival is the the, the genesis of our salvation. That he, he's the that's the beginning of, of the curse being reversed. And so we would look at that and say, man, there's a God. He's not out to get us, he's out to love us, and he actually showed up and he put skin on and made himself available to us. So I encourage you here as we have, you know, you're isolated from the noise of the season, take a few minutes and delve into the sacredness of it and pray, talk to God. If you feel kind of a tug in your heart to know and follow Jesus and you've never done that before, That's not a weird thing. That's actually a spiritual thing. The Bible says the Holy Spirit does that, that He draws us. So that's actually God, like, tugging on your heart. Pray. Ask the forgiveness of your sin. Commit to live for the one who died for you. Become a follower of Jesus, right? There's no magic words. There's no special prayer. Your heart to God's heart, tell Him, right? And if you're a follower of Jesus already, I I would say, why don't you take a few minutes and ask God, God, where is... Where is the curse found in my life still? What, what are the parts of my life I'm blind to or the parts of my life I've become stubborn about that, that I, I need to invite you into to reverse it? Okay. So why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute and just spend some time doing that. And the band will come and, and they'll play some songs and they'll help us to focus too as well. And let's just kind of engage and the wonder of what Christ has done. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for you and to you that you love and came for us. And uh, God, I pray in these few moments of stillness that you would press deep into our hearts and deep into our minds and help us to understand and know you in a fresh way. Thank you for Christmas. And we love you. Thank you for setting us free and uh, for breaking the bondage of sin. God, help us to embrace that and receive it fully. In your name, amen.